Have you ever wondered what it'll be like to be mentored and taught by R.C. and Lisa? To be a part of an exclusive group with opportunities to ask questions to R.C. directly? There is a program called Mordecai Mission. It may be the opportunity you're looking for. Mordecai is a 12-week program conducted on Zoom by R.C. and Lisa. The program is named Mordecai because it was Mordecai who mentored Esther into her reign as queen. R.C. has been called the King of Queens. His passion for empowering women is like that of Mordecai. The program is for women seeking spiritual and emotional healing as well as a sense of purpose and a return to self-love. It's biblically based and spiritually empowered. It is roughly an hour of teaching done by R.C. It then moves into Q&A. The program is based on three pillars. One, inner healing. Two, self-discovery. And three, self-development. The program runs for 12 weeks straight. Meetings are at the same time every weekend. The meetings are about 90 minutes to 2 hours. To be a part of the next group, go to www.rcblakes.com and register. Seats are limited. Pray about it. And if you feel a witness in your heart, don't procrastinate. Go ahead and register. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk with Bishop R.C. Blakes. R.C. is an author, empowerment teacher, and the proud pastor of the New Home Ministries of New Orleans, Louisiana and Houston, Texas. His message circles the globe. His conversational and candid approach to challenging content makes him a relevant voice to all generations. Get ready for a life-changing transformational conversation. Hello, this is R.C. Blakes, and you know I'm always excited to be able to talk to you. It's such a blessing to, to meet you from all over the nation and even the world and to uh, have chats with you and to uh, just discuss the kind of bond and relationship that God has created between us, even through something as, uh, well, seemingly insignificant as social media. I'm so thankful. I was blessed this week to have um, a dear heart from Ohio, Tatiana, who came all the way to Houston, flew from Ohio to come to a conference that I was speaking at. It was not even my conference and she sat there from 3 o'clock until 7 um, hoping that she would see me. She didn't know exactly what time I would be speaking. And I was actually closing the conference and it just blessed me. And to hear how God has done so many marvelous things in her life uh, through the message. And it is God. It is not me. It's not the brilliance of man. It's the wisdom of God. So I thank God for you all. Now today I want to deal with something and I really need you to invite your, your friends, your family, your co-workers, uh, invite everybody you know, even invite your enemies into this one today. Because we're talking about how to guard your heart. And isn't this a problem that um, many women 
I would dare say most women have. You don't know how to guard your heart. The reason your heart continues to get broken, and this is not only a, a situation with women, this is also a situation with some good men. You don't know how to guard your heart, and you find yourself going too far, and you find yourself constantly being broken by people who never even deserved a conversation. It's because you failed to guard your heart. And quite honestly, to be fair, if we're coming from a church context, we've not always taught you the, you know, the ins and outs of guarding your heart and what that actually looks like or what that means. Now, when you hear that phrase, guard your heart, I, I can already sense that there are some of you who, uh, you know, you feel this sense of, um, this sense of anger, um, fear, and so for you, that phrase alone, if I don't go deeper with this, for you, that phrase alone means to put walls up around yourself. You know, to wall yourself in, to close the world out, and to wall yourself in. You know, after painful breakups and disappointments, put up some walls. Don't let anybody in and don't go out into the world. Now, walls lock, as I just said, the entire world out. But they also lock you in. So if you're trying to put walls around your heart, you're simply creating a prison out of your pain. You become a prisoner to your fears. So the plan is not to wall your heart in, but rather to employ what I call fences and gates. You know, gates allow you to move in and out when it's appropriate, when it's safe, when it's desirable. When I grew up in the hood, and a lot of folk can't imagine my family ever being in the hood, but we were in the hood. My brother and I sat or slept in the same bed. Uh, we lived in the hood. We had random dogs that just lived under the house. The house was elevated on blocks. And man, you, you, when you walk through the neighborhood, you'd have to look out because it was like packs of dogs that would just run, man, and attack, you know. And uh, one day my father decided to put a fence around our property so as to keep the dogs out of the property, to stop the dogs from being able to run under the house. And on that fence were some gates and man, my brother and I, many days, we would be running from the dogs and we'd run through the gate and slam the gate and the dogs couldn't get to us. That's what I'm suggesting we do today with your heart. Employ fences with gates because gates allow you to move in and out when appropriate, when it's safe. Gates allow you to guard your heart.
to let in what's feasible, to keep out what's undesirable. If you go to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, it says, and this is the Amplified, I'm quoting, he says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. The matters of your heart have to move from a posture of defensiveness. Notice he says, guard your heart because out of it flows, the King James would say, the issues of life. So you, you have to move from, now listen to this very carefully because this is going to be a revelation for some of you. You have to move from a defensive posture of grieving another breakup, a defensive posture of just surviving another narcissist to an offensive operation of guarding your heart. You see, many of you that are watching me right now, you're simply uh, surviving, but I'm trying to teach you how to thrive. Most people have a defensive posture relative to the matters of the heart. So I'll enter into this relationship and if it doesn't work out, I'll retreat into my depression. It's a defensive posture, whereas an offensive operation of guarding your heart first allows you to condition your heart to recognize what you do not need and to be able to walk away from what you do not deserve so as to never be put in a position where you are broken again. If you learn to guard your heart, you won't have to recover from so much. Now, the reference to the heart is always a concept made up of really multiple intangible facets or aspects of the human experience. Now, what does all of that fancy talk mean? The heart, in my opinion, is all-inclusive of four arenas in your life as a human being. One arena builds upon the other to bring the woman or even the man to a place of wholeness and power. And when we talk about, when the Bible specifically talks about the heart, it's speaking of the spirit, the mind, the emotions, the will. When we talk about guarding your heart, we're talking about reinforcing your spirit, your mind, your emotions, and your will. Because if you do not guard your heart, these areas, spirit, mind, emotion, and will, you will be like a rudderless ship. And what does a rudderless ship do? It, it moves in any direction the waters or the waves of the sea takes it. It does not have the capacity or the ability to steer itself. And so when we talk about guarding your heart,
we're talking about taking ownership of your spirit, your mind, your emotions, and your will, so that in whatever the situation may be, you're able to steer your life in a healthy direction. Now, if you go to, if you look in Jeremiah 17 and 9, it says something very powerful there. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What he's talking about here is the internals of a person are so unpredictable that you can be brought into your own destruction by things that generated from within you. So if you don't put a process in place to align your spirit, your mind, your emotions, and ultimately your will, and again I said these four things build one upon the other, spirit, mind, emotion, and will, if you, don't, if you don't bring structure to these areas of your life, you'll find yourself becoming your own worst enemy. And the Apostle Paul put it like this. He said, when I have a desire to do good, I'm always doing evil. The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't desire to do are the things that I'm doing. It means that there has to be what? An alignment between your spirit, your mind, your emotions, and your will. So I want us to look at this thing called guarding your heart from the perspective of how to. How do I get to a place where I can put these fences and gates around my heart so that I can say no when I need to say no? I'm, I'm, I'm healed enough to say yes when it's cool to say yes. Well, let's start with number one. When you start talking about guarding your heart, the first thing that plays into becoming the person that's capable of guarding your heart is that you have to, watch this, get it, feed your spirit. You see, we're living in a world that is so carnally driven, even in terms of choosing someone to give your heart to, someone to uh, allow into the intimate spaces of your heart, of our hearts, we usually do not consult God. We usually ignore our own instincts or discernment and we go directly to what our eyes see because this is a carnal world. But you have to understand that even though you, you've been conditioned to be driven by your carnality, you, my friend, are spirit. You are intangible. You are eternal. And if you're ever going to be able to take authority over your carnal world where you're having all of these, making all of these mistakes and having all of these mishaps and cre creating all of this pain for yourself, you're going to have to feed your spirit. 
Because the spirit is where God communicates with you. Your spirit is where you even connect with yourself. You see, as long as your life is just about what you look and how it feels and, and all of these, you know, uh, impressions, you're out of touch with God and you're actually out of touch with yourself. Everything is grounded in the health and the vibrancy of your spirit, your joy, your peace. It's grounded in the vibrancy of your spirit. So when you think about the spirit, and then we said the mind, then the emotions, and then the will, these four things play into what we generally refer to as the heart of man. All of the other three arenas or areas, the mind, the emotion, the will, are dependent on the work you decide to do or not do in your spirit. Why do you think soul ties have such um, a powerful effect on the lives of women and even men? It's because there's not enough strength, there's not enough fortitude in the spirit of the individual to overcome the desires of the flesh. It is, it is futile to attempt to navigate life outside of your connection to God and yourself. You know, even when you think about uh, Jesus laying out what I call the law of loving, he says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and then love thy neighbor as thyself. So what's the law of loving? Love God with everything. Out of loving God with everything, you then develop, God gives you a love for yourself, and then out of your love for yourself, you love others. Don't skip your love for God and your love for you and try to love someone else. If you don't love God properly, you really can't love you properly because you don't have the right perspective of yourself. And if you don't have the right perspective of yourself, you will allow others to mishandle you. Because it's futile to attempt to navigate life outside of your connection to God and yourself. Listen to what Psalms 127, 1 and 2 says. He says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. But notice he says, it's a waste of time. For you to try to build anything except the Lord builds the house, you're working in vain. So the, the, the first step towards guarding your heart is breaking down and realizing you don't need another relationship with another person. You need to retreat into the arms of your loving father. 
and allow him by the Holy Spirit to pour into your spirit a self-perspective that will give you a divine self-love. Romans chapter 8 verses 6 and 7 puts it this way. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Why? Because the carnal mind is enmity or at war against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So this thing relative to guarding your heart starts with, you know, your spirit. You have to do, you have to, you have to connect spiritually with the creator. And then God will then give you a connection with yourself. The reason you've allowed your heart to be broken so many times and to be trampled on so many times is because you've not had the right spiritual foundation. Therefore, which brings us to point number two, you've not been able to manage your mind. And point number two is you must manage the mind. You see, the mind is the place where we process information. The mind is the place where we make decisions. And when we prioritize our spiritual health, it is only then that we may be empowered to manage our mental health. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, please don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that people who have chemical imbalances, that somehow if they just pray, it'll all fall into line. No, no, you know, I believe in therapy. I believe in psychologists, even psychiatrists. Some people need to take medicine. And that's not a joke. That's for real. But in most of these cases, when we are making choices and decisions in our lives, that are, you know, ushering our own demise and destruction into our world, why are we making these decisions? We're not able to manage our minds because we've not reinforced our spirit. When we prioritize our spiritual health, we are then empowered to manage our mental health because without a strong and focused spirit, the mind, I don't know if you understand this, but I've lived this. I've lived this. The mind will wander. And when the mind wanders, it produces unfortunate outcomes. Have you ever, have you ever found yourself in one mess after another and it was always the product of a wandering mind? Well, why weren't, why weren't we able to manage that mind or manage our minds? It's because the mind can only be managed by a stronger spirit. Because the mind is naturally carnal. It, 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 it's, it's, it pretty much functions off of the carnal senses. What it can touch, see, taste, smell, and hear. So anything that functions off of those five senses and does not go deeper than the five senses can be easily deceived. 
So if, if, if the mind is going to be managed in a way that we don't open the door for Satan and all of his imps to come in and to lead us down a path of destruction, it means that we must start with step number one, and that is building ourselves spiritually. And once we build ourselves spiritually, out of that context, we are now able to manage the mind. This is how you begin to live a life that you're able to guard your heart. And you're able to prevent a lot of the things that otherwise have served to bring you into low places in the past. In Proverbs 23 and 7 it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's powerful. In, in, the, King, in the King James it says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Now, how do we reinforce the mind? How do we reinforce the mind? In Romans 12 and 2 it talks about and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God for you. How do we get our minds to that place where we are transformed and the mind is renewed? In other words, when you talk about the mind being renewed, it means that the mind has been... Um, Purged from the conditioning that has always served to slave condition you. You know, we've been raised in certain ways that creates our own internal chains and bondage. How do we renew the mind, reinforce the mind, so that we can break all of those shackles off of our, off of our thinking and we can walk in truth? And we can walk in power. Letter A. This is under number two. Managing the mind. You have to intentionally feed it. You have to intentionally feed it. You, you can't just be around here allowing uh, anything to just float into your mind. You have to intentionally feed it. You know. You, you can't just, just look at the TikTok all day or look at the Instagram stories all day and allow all of that stuff to just pour into you because in most of the cases you're taking in poison. If you're going to live a life where you can guard your mind, you can guard your heart and your life, you're going to have to intentionally feed your mind. You're going to have to know what you're taking in and you're going to have to take it in on purpose. Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we have to what? Intentionally feed the mind. What are you, what are you listening to? Who are you listening to? What are you reading? How is it impacting you? Why would you sit and listen to someone? That every time they get through talking, they leave you in a worse place mentally and emotionally than you were before you started, started listening to them. You have to intentionally feed your mind. Let it be. You have to expose your mind 
to the healthiest examples. Sometimes our minds are stuck in a place of bondage which continues to open us to, you know, uh, things that don't serve us or our best interests because we are around people that do not model the healthiest or the highest examples. Some of you, your problem, you, you, you're not able to guard your heart because your best friends are um, setting the wrong example for you on a daily basis. The people that you let into your life every day, you have to understand this. Anybody that you let into your life every day, you also give them the authority to influence you. So if I let a clown come into my life every day, I allow, I allow the clown to influence my life. And it won't be long before I'll be, I'll be joining the circus. You have to expose yourself, expose your mind to the healthiest example, healthiest examples. Who do you have around you that represents a strong, stable, healthy individual? Not a person who's in and out of random relationships. Not a person who's constantly, you know, broken because they let another narcissist in or they let another uh, womanizer in or they let another cheater in but but someone who's strong and grounded enough to be able to say I walked away from that because I could I could read I could see the flags flying not someone who, who sees the flags and ignores the flags who do you have in your life that represents the healthiest example Hebrews 6 and 12 says that ye be not lazy or slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Who do you see in your life that's modeling a life that inherits the promises? A person that's living on the highest level. And then let her see, you're going to have to hold your thoughts accountable. You're going to have to think about what you're thinking about. If you're going to manage this mind to a point that you can guard your heart and you won't allow the things that have devastated you in the past to happen again, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to hold your thoughts accountable. Because your private thoughts are the truest indication of your mindset. Your mindset. To set your mind requires holding it, holding it accountable, training your mind to sit, not feeling like you constantly got, you have to constantly move and, and be involved in this, but sit in it and train your mind. Think your thoughts through before they turn into feelings and actions. If you look in Psalms 1, 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in God's law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, shall prosper. I like the way he says, I like the way he says, meditate on the law of the Lord. 
What does meditate mean? It means to sit and to think about what you're thinking about. It means to give yourself something, something to think about and to sit with it until it becomes ingrained on your soul. And then number three, not only was, must we, you know, reinforce the spirit, manage the mind, but we're going to have to, if we're going to come to a place where we can guard the heart, we're going to have to choose our emotions. We're going to have to choose our emotions. See, you can't choose your emotions until you can manage your mind. You can't manage your mind until you, you know, build yourself spiritually. Emotion is the psychological reaction we have to a dominant thought or mindset. So just like the fortification of the mind is rooted in the strengthening of your spirit, the emotions are regulated by the health of the mind. When we are not established mentally, when we've not reinforced our minds and we've not set our minds in the right place, we always become what? Frantic emotionally. Yeah, that's true. Whenever my mindset is not right, I become uh, hyper-emotional. Even, even till today, you know, people talk like, people that teach others talk like they've just perfected everything and that, you know, they're, they're God, they're Jesus Christ reincarnated. I'm not. I'm still human. And a lot of the stuff I teach you are the lessons I'm learning while I'm teaching them to you. If, if your mindset is not, if your mindset is not established, your emotions will always be unstable. And so you find yourself what? Running into relationships emotionally. Your heart is not guarded, you know? You, 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 don't, you, don't, have any, you don't have any fences or gates. The stray dogs run under your house and run through your yard whenever they will because emotionally there are no guards. Mm. There, there, there's, there's, there's no hedge around you. If you look in James chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You see, what is it? a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When the mind is not guarded, you suffer from random thoughts that create feelings which lead to emotions, which brings us to actions that lead to our own destruction. So if you're going to guard your heart, you're going to have to strengthen your spirit, manage your mind, and choose your emotions. You can't Manage your mind until you strengthen your spirit. You can't choose your emotions until you've managed your mind. You see how these things are building one on the other? Listen to how Isaiah 26 and 3 puts it. He says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace 
whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. Look at how the emotion and the mind are tied together. Perfect peace, emotional state, emotional tranquility, stability, whose mind is stayed, mindset. You see how they're, they're flowing together? Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. So now, what are some practical um, points relative to choosing one's emotion? Have you ever, first of all, let me ask you a question. Have you ever gotten emotional and it led you down a, a path that uh, did not end well? And you, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. You, you looking back said, man, I wish I hadn't gotten so emotional. I wish I had thought this through. I wish I hadn't gotten so angry. I wish I hadn't gotten so carried away. I wish I hadn't gotten so lustful. I wish I hadn't done this and I wish I hadn't done that. How do we come to a place where we can choose our emotions? Number one, you've got to forgive your offenders. You know, the, the, the thing that leaves us, the thing that I believe most leaves us, um, or leaves us the most vulnerable emotionally is unforgiveness because when you harbor unforgiveness you harbor anger and the Bible says anger rests in the bosom of a fool and wherever, you're, wherever there's anger there's a disconnect from reasoning and discernment so when, 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 when you fail to forgive offenders and I think I have to say this so that you're not triggered when we say forgive we're not talking about you know, calling what they did right or, you know, um, calling them your best friend or feeling like you need to go to lunch and dinner with them. No, most of the folk you forgive, you never have anything else to do with them. What forgiveness means is that you let it go emotionally so you disconnect yourself from the weight of it all. And you move forward with your life and you let God deal with that. You let, you let God avenge that. You see, when you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you lack forgiveness, you know, there are things that can trigger you and you become hysterical. You know, I can say certain things right now. They're words that I try to intentionally avoid using when I'm talking, you know, in a public setting. It's because I know that these words are triggering for a lot of people and it brings a lot of people to hysterical responses or reactions. When it's hysterical, it's historical. I don't remember who said that. I wish it were my saying, but it's not. If it's hysterical, it's historical. Anything that makes you hysterical and immediately takes you from zero to a hundred, it means that that's something that you've not processed, you've not forgiven. And therefore, your lack of forgiveness is, is taking your capacity to choose your emotion out of your hands. If someone wants to ruin 
uh, you in, in a certain setting and ruin your impression or the impression of you to other people, they can just go to this trigger and it, you become hysterical. It's because it's historical. The only way to get it out of your heart is to release it and let it go. Forgive. Let her be. How, how do you get to a place where you can choose your emotion? Stop and process every scenario, every thought. You know, there are times I find myself whew, getting heated. You know, people say things, people do things, and man. And, you know, there are days that people write stuff, you know, on the Internet, and, man, I'm typing, and I, I got the whole thing laid out where I'm about to read them the riot act. And that's nothing but an emotional response to people who don't even deserve a conversation. So I stop and I process every thought. I, and I ask myself, now, if I do this, what, is, what, is, what, what good is going to come of this if I, if I react like this? If I do this, how is this going to reflect on me? In, in, in everything you do, it's important to stop and process every scenario. And, and everything can't be so important that you feel like you have to respond to everything. Because if everything is important, nothing is. If you're going to take authority over your emotion, you're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to let a beast stop and process every thought and every scenario and ask yourself, is this really important? Should I, hold, should I hold on to this? Should I go in this direction? And I kind of alluded to it. Let her see. You're going to have to choose the response, not the reaction, that serves to bring you peace. Choose the response, not the reaction, that will serve to bring you peace. Sometimes... Most of the time, <laughs> the best emotional response is none at all. Just zip it, process it, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to forgive and dump it out of your spirit and move forward with your life and stay on task. You got too much to accomplish. To allow folk to just run in and out of your heart whenever they want to because they know how to push your buttons and stir you up emotionally. And every time you go on one of these emotional frenzies, you know, you, you get pushed, your button gets pushed and you jump emotional in five seconds and then it takes you six months to recover from the fallout of all of that. Things you've said, things you've done, things you've allowed because you got emotional because you were not managing your mind, because you, were, you had not strengthened your spirit. Colossians 3 and 15 says, and let the peace of God, choose the response that brings you peace. He says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. S set your heart in the direction of peace. Choose the response that's going to bring you peace. 
So when we talk about guarding the heart, we're talking about strengthening the spirit, managing the mind, choosing one's emotion, and then number four and finally, setting your will. The will is the intentional aspect of your life. Until you can connect with God spiritually, you can't manage your mindset. And therefore, you'll never be able to regulate your emotions. And therefore, spiritually, you'll never be able to live intentionally. You see, because when you think about the issues that you've had, that we've had in our lives, it's been because there was always something that seemed to have the power to circumvent our will. Like the Apostle Paul I mentioned said, when he wanted to do right, he always did wrong. He woke up one day and realized that he had to live in the spirit. If you look in Philippians Chapter 2 and verse 13, he says, for it is God. So you have to establish your will, set your will. He says, for it is God which worketh in you, watch this, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Isaiah 119 says, if you be willing, setting your will, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to live my life. Creating mantras and professions and confessions that remind you of the direction you will to go in. And that you're no longer going to be just carried away emotionally or managed through a weak mind or an empty spirit. But now you're strong enough to establish your will. Because again he says in Isaiah 119, if you be willing and obedient... You'll eat the good of the land. When you can establish your will, when you can set your will, you can live at your highest level. You can live the best version of your life. And how do you, how do you set your will? What are some practical points? Set your boundaries. Set your boundaries. You see, I have boundaries around my life. Certain things I'm going to do, certain things I'm not going to do. And because I established those boundaries, I have my fences up and I have my gates working. My will works my gate. My will says yes, my will says no. Come on now. No, nobody just runs in and out of my life. Nothing just comes in and out of my life. If, if it comes in, it's because I willed it in. You have to set your boundaries. Letter B, establish your accountability circle. Don't think you're big and bad enough to do this by yourself. You're going to need some strong sisters, some strong brothers in your life that are living at that level that you make yourself accountable to. Establish your accountability circle. And then let us see. And finally, always do inventory of every thought and decision. Make certain that this stuff, that this thing, this thought, is right for you, well, number one, actually, make certain that it agrees with God, that it's right for you, and that it is a blessing to others. When you live your life like that, you cannot go wrong. And you will be able to guard your heart 
And when you start living like this and putting your life together from the inside out, oh, it's going to be amazing to you how much better your choices and your outcomes in life will be. When you put the fences and the gates around your heart where you're able to move in and out in a healthy fashion, <sighs> May I pray for you? I hope you've gotten something out of this. I apologize for having been so long. Father God, I thank you now for every person that's listening, watching, hearing me. God, let something that I, I've said out of your word soak into them like water into a dry sponge. God, I thank you now for giving them the clarity and the power to begin to walk out this four-point process that I've given them. Really, you gave it to us in your word. Now, God, I declare and decree every one of them to be free. I command all of the bondage to be broken in Jesus' name. Now, God, make yourself real to them. Those that have doubted those that have fallen off, those that have walked away, God, make yourself real to them. And help them to understand, dear God, that there is no balancing of one's life without a relationship with the Creator. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now listen, thank you for spending this time with me today. Don't forget to go by the website, sign up for my mailing list. Those of you that need counseling, there's a link in the description for BetterHelp Counseling. Um, you know, if you need counseling, hit that link. It'll afford you 10% off of the cost of their counseling. And uh, they, in turn, for the referral, will make a deposit into R.C. Blake's Ministries. So if that works for you, I think it's a, great, it's a great tool to be able to sit in the comfort of your home, your office, or wherever and be able to talk to someone on the phone or text messages or email or whatever, it'll be a great blessing to you. Now, don't forget to go by Amazon. Pick up any or all of my books when you get there. Um, that way you bless the ministry. I so appreciate you. I thank God for all of you who constantly sow into Lisa and I. We love you. We thank God for you. We pray for you. And we appreciate you with all of our hearts. We do not... We do not take it lightly. Now, those of you who've not checked out my online programs, go to rcblakes.com, look on the online programs. They are there. They'll be a blessing to you. Now, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. I think I've talked enough. I think I've talked enough. I want you to know that you're on top and you're going higher. God has more in store for you. Lisa and I love you. So we will see you at the top. God bless you. Until next time. We here at R.C. Blake's Ministries want to thank you for spending this time with us today. R.C. and Lisa are always honored to have you with us. Don't forget to reach out to us by visiting our website 
at www.rcblakes.com. While you're there, you may join our mailing list and receive a free download of the Laws of Manifesting Your Vision by R.C. Blakes. Also look at all of the online programs by R.C. You may find all books written by R.C. and Lisa. Once again, all of us here at R.C. Blakes Ministries want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And as we always say, see you at the top.